0: I would like to welcome you all very warmly to this retreat here at Gaia House. My name is Yanai and this is Kirsten and uh, we're both very happy to be here with you for this for this time. Can I just as I begin get a volume check, can you hear me alright at the back? Yes. Good. If at any time you can't, uh, with regard to either of us, let us know by waving your hand, we won't take it as a salutation but as an indication to turn up the volume a little. And uh, we'd like to spend a little time this evening speaking about uh, what we'll be doing here together on this retreat and setting some of the, in a way, the framework for that. And so as I find myself here, as I quite regularly have the good fortune to be in a situation like this. It's There's always a sense of uh, kind of curiosity, of wondering, so gosh, these people that have come here, I wonder where you've come from, how your day was been and how your journey was, because certainly journeys haven't been easy of late, it's the conditions and the weather and i uh, glad to see that the room's rather warm, having seen... The notices I guess all of you initially also saw that the, the boilers were struggling a bit with the situation here, but at least at this point it seems warm to me. I hope you're warm also. And something is brought. each of us here. Some of you for the first time, and uh, particularly welcome to those of you who are here for the first time, it can sometimes seem like quite a step to enter into a situation like this if one hasn't done so before. And equally, those of you who have been here before and know exactly what you're stepping into, um, great that you've come back. And uh, lovely to see the familiar faces amongst you that I may have had chance to meet over the years and others of you new to Guy House or to myself or Kirsten. We're going to be spending this weekend practicing the cultivation of kindness, of friendliness and warmth, and doing so within a context of meditation and within a context of teachings that come from the tradition of the Buddha, the teachings of wisdom and compassion that this being, this human being in fact, offered us as a response to our lives that he really came to understand as a response to his own, and so partly because of the uh perhaps unfamiliarity of the situation for some and partly because of the orientation of this retreat, I'd like to invite you just to take a moment if you wish you don't have to to look around and see who's here because you're not here by yourself, and uh, this is of course obvious in a certain sense, please don't do your neck and in injury by trying to look too far around. There might be even just the people in front of you. And it's kind of curious to notice our response to uh, other human beings who have, uh, just as yourself, chosen on this occasion not to go for a luxury spa holiday somewhere. Although one might sometimes wonder about that choice, having arrived and uh, <laughs> seeing that it's a little cooler here perhaps than in some places. Though Actually, this is Devon and it's probably been warmer here than most of this country for the last week or two, though still relatively cool. And yet, it's something quite, I find, interesting, sometimes quite lovely, in the way that when we come together in a situation like this, there's a certain, we're sort of exposed in a way. We've brought ourselves into a situation, whether we know it or not, that's not going to be entirely predictable, not entirely in our control. And yet, I'm quite confident with it with a good intention, one doesn't come here to do a meditation retreat with anything other than a wholesome intention and the wish to to be in retreat, to, to explore spiritual practice, to explore spiritual teachings. This is something noble. This is something worthy of appreciation, of honoring in fact. And so just in, in beginning, taking a moment to acknowledge and honor that there's a group of people We've come here to do this together. Some of whom have been doing this kind of thing for many years, decades even. And some just taking first steps into this world, we could say. So what does it mean to come on retreat? Of course, many different things for different people at different times. And yet there's a sense of really dedicating a period of time, in this case, a weekend, dedicating a period of time to that which perhaps is most important to us, that which we care for or cherish in our lives, that which we wish to see grow and deepen. Perhaps having a sense of dedicating a time to our unfolding or our our deepening in wisdom and compassion and kindness can be many aspirations that bring us into a situation like this. And this situation is one that allows us and supports us to not so much escape from our lives, it's not like we're retreating from life by coming to Guy House, but more put down some of the activities and be have a bit more space around a lot of the pressures and demands that are often there for us in order to connect more fully, to look more deeply and to open more unconditionally into the truth of our life and to what it means to be what we are, as we are, where we are. And this can be challenging at times as well as it can also at times be delightful and we never can really predict exactly what combination of those two and of course many other things we might encounter so coming into a retreat is a little stepping into a space of some degree of unknown of uncertainty and yet with a with a wholesome intention and what it is that we might be looking for what it is that we might be drawn to spiritual practice seeking for or interested in, there are many different ways we might speak about it. We might have words for it or we might not. And yet I think there's something very common for us, although it might look different and there's many different ways and paths and traditions and certainly words that can be brought to bear on the territory of spirituality. I think there's something common in the essential goodness of of human beings and of life in fact that we at some level recognize and yet don't necessarily know how to fully access and so being in a situation where there are others who have a similar interest where we have the support of practices and forms and we'll be using practices of meditation tools and forms that have been tried and tested over decades over centuries over millennia in fact and really seen to be beneficial To be effective, to be transformative by people such as ourselves, not by people that different than ourselves. And we have the opportunity to really discover for ourselves our own genuine and true potential for transformation. So we get to step away from the busyness of life, from the demands. We have a situation that's quite simplified. In a certain way it's quite organized for us, which has its advantages and sometimes its disadvantages. We don't get to choose who we're sharing a room with. We don't get to uh, pick from a menu as to what will be served for the meals. But sometimes that relinquishing of those options and choices, there's a certain relief. It's like, oh, phew. It's like I remember someone describing the experience of coming back from traveling in a third world region and walking into a supermarket where there were, as the person described, a sort of a a 30-foot aisle filled with 500 different sorts of breakfast cereal and just feeling completely overwhelmed by the amount of choice. Sometimes having less choices is a relief to us. It's like, ah, simplicity. Yeah, that's something we're interested in. And so understanding the sense of retreat is a way of simplifying, simplifying what we're engaged in and focusing it on what feels most essential, most fundamental, most important to us, even as we are in the process of coming to understand what that might be and how it might be we could seek to explore or pursue that which is important, that which we value.
1: So I'll pass over. Welcome to each of you. And for me it's really nice to be back in Gaia House. Also I have to confess in the moment I'm not sure if I would prefer to sit here or where you are sitting. And I just finished a several weekend retreat last Sunday. You know, and it's just... You know, I really loved it. <laughs> and now I'm in a different position. And... Especially for those who are new to Gaia House, you know, it might not make a difference, you know, but I can assure you, having spent here quite a long time, quite recently, it's a very safe and friendly place. It really is. might not make a difference, but maybe it does. So I really would like to speak a little bit, a really little bit about the practice we are engaging in this week and, you know, loving kindness. And it's really beautiful to come to this hall, you know, and see so many people here. You're actually drawn, you know, to cultivate this very, very beautiful quality of heart and mind. It really, It's really very touching, you know, that it has such... Such a draw to people, you know, that so many people are interested in it, you know, and even have the wish to cultivate it. So it's really beautiful to see here or to see you all. And I think when I began practicing, you know, it, loving kindness meditation always had this little bit you know, the second best feel to it, you know, you did it once during a 10-day retreat or you did a short one at the end of a retreat before you left, you know, and and the real stuff was the inside meditation and then you added a little bit of loving kindness, you know, it's like the... To so practice for those who can't practice seriously, so it had a little bit this ring to it, and I really, really can't emphasize, you know, what a powerful and potentially transforming practice this is, and it definitely plays a big, big role to practice loving kindness in my current practice. So really encourage you to give yourself wholly to it and not thinking it's the second best, which you might not think anyway, I just know it from my own history and past. And, and really also to to see or to be open, to be open to the potential it might have. It really can, you know, doing this practice on a regular basis can really change our perception of our world and of the world around us and ourselves, you know. And really not to underestimate this and maybe open up to this potential. I just want to say a little bit about what loving kindness, how it is defined. You know, normally very often it gets translated with love, you know, and it's, it's quite, you know, what do we mean by it? And I define loving kindness. It's, it's really a sense of a, a, an attitude, uh, an attitude of deep friendliness, of like an openness imputed with warmth. It has like an acceptance in it. It has this sense of well-wishing for oneself and others. And it really, really is founded on the recognition that I want to be well and happy and everyone else wants to be well and happy. And it's really founded on this shared communality we all have, you know, rather than seeing what keeps us apart and in its pure form one hears you know like it's it's one it's one of the four brahma viharas divine dwellings you know and in, in these, these states you know when you abide in them in, in in them it's like a divine abiding you know can can sound very you know far far away out of reach and these states, they are, they are told, they said about them, Is they are boundless, limitless in their reach, immeasurable. And really just let it ring, you know, boundless, limitless in their reach, immeasurable. It's quite, it's quite a statement, isn't it? It doesn't hold, hold back. And also, especially with loving kindness, it's unconditioned. Equal, nothing stands out, nothing, no one, nothing gets excluded. And just to see when you hear this, you know, this possibility, you know, this possibility to open up to this possibility of an attitude in our heart, you know, might seem like very lofty, like not for me, far away, you know, fine, but, you know, not realistic. And I think what is really, really, really important to keep in mind that it's a skill we can develop. It's not something which we either have or we don't have and if we are one of the people who don't have it bad luck. But it's really something we can develop. And this is what we are endeavoring here to do during this weekend, you know, and it might be small steps, it might be big steps, it might go well at times, it might not go well at times, it's all fine. You know, it's really honoring your aspiration, honoring your attention. And I personally, when I, I practice matter, I really do it, again this works for me very well rather than seeing it as something which is missing here and I have to get it I really see it as something which is there and I have to rediscover it, I have to unveil it I have to feed it, I have to nourish it but it is present and I can. I can Give myself conditions where it can grow, where it can flourish. And again, this is what we are trying to endeavor this weekend. And another beautiful thing about this practice, while we are cultivating it, and again it might not be obvious in the beginning, but while we are cultivating it, it actually gives us a sense of well-being. So it's not something, you know, in the end I might get something out of it. You might see already in the weekend or you might have seen in your practice that actually the cultivation of loving kindness can give you an increased sense of well-being. It's potentially very nourishing and healing. And it's a very, very powerful tool to actually change the atmosphere of our heart any moment in any situation you know with any any breath we are taking you know, especially sometimes when there is this inner quality of harshness inside of us you know harshness reactivity judgment it can be really really great to to Balances with some loving kindness. So during my five-week retreat here in Gaia House, I had several mantras. You know, several little headlines which would come come up in my head to support me in my practice. I don't, won't tell you all of them. One was, "Don't believe it, even if you do believe it," which was mostly regarding statements about me and other people about a situation don't believe it, even if you do believe it. And the other one um, was, if all fails, do some matter. And it really works. (laughs) If all fails, do some matter. Really, really can change the, the, the quality in the heart. And I will speak more about it. So it's really just little pointers for to, about all of this. You know what I'm alluding to. Much more can be said. And one one last last thing, maybe. You know, we will be introducing certain tools and techniques, and you know how meta was taught traditionally, and and you know really give you these tools and and. You know, apply them. You know, and and give yourself wholly to them. But also, also, you know, really keeping a playful, light touch with all this. It's the most important thing with 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 actually with any meditation and med- meditation technique tool is see what works for you. So there is a real invitation of being creative around it. Take what we give out, and then feel free to see actually what works for you okay, so I really hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I'm very much looking forward to meet you and to
0: so the The words that we use sometimes will change between speaking about loving kindness. And sometimes we may use the word metta, and probably you all read it already in the uh, description of the course, but uh, the word that the the Buddha used was the word, it's a Pali word, metta. In fact, it's not exactly the word he used, but it's the word in which his teachings were of the language, his teachings were recorded in, so we think it's probably pretty close to the word he actually used. And uh, sometimes we will say metta, sometimes we'll say loving kindness, but... Just so you know that that's the same thing, essentially. And um, in in the process of turning our hearts towards this, there's a way which, both for this practice and in fact for any retreat of this nature, there's a certain way in which we create together a foundation or a framework that allows us to practice and supports us in practicing together. So there's some elements of that I'd like to speak to just a little bit and it can sometimes sounds like sort of the various rules we have at guy house and uh, just to name that in a way because although they may come across at times like rules although perhaps we think of them as guidelines more usefully the intention is to really support creating an environment in which we can really receive the greatest benefit we can maximize the potential of what we can benefit by or through our time on retreat. And so one of the fundamental elements, and uh, often the one that stands out to people coming for the first time, is that the retreat will be in silence. And uh, probably there's several amongst you who have already been assured by your friends, by your family, by your workmates, that there's no way you, whoever you are, will be silent for a whole weekend and if your friends or workmates haven't assured you of this it's probably in one's own mind we can easily think oh my gosh what will that be like and uh, I was recently talking uh, with with someone who I'd met and she she was saying yeah she was thinking she'd like to do a retreat but being in silence no way no way did she think she could do that and it was interesting it's really understandable that we might have some uncertainty or hesitation with regard to it and yet, silence, although we might associate it with things that are perhaps not easy for us, such as being punished for, um, you know, by being n- not spoken to or told we have to be silent when we're, when we're young. Silence isn't always a friendly environment when we first encounter it. But the intention with the silence here is really to give ourselves a chance to connect more deeply with ourselves. In a way, it's an invitation to spend this weekend retreat making a primary relationship with your own experience. Just as if you want to get to know or get to be on good terms with someone that you kind of like, a friend, you know, you might choose to spend a bit of time with them, maybe go away for the weekend and hang out together. So being in silence, because we don't then have to do all the usual social conversations and the sort of the normal things that we engage in to fill up the space sometimes. Of course, that can be lovely, that can be beautiful. And other times it can be a bit awkward or uncomfortable. And there can be a way in which it doesn't really leave us much room, much space. That taking the time in silence really leaves us to, in a way, have a weekend in relationship with ourselves, to get to know our own hearts, our own minds, our own bodies more deeply and to really support a a caring and kindly relationship with ourselves. So in that, of course, silence doesn't mean there won't be any sounds, because you've already noticed, I guess, that there's plenty of sound here, including the fact that Kirsten and I will be speaking on regular occasions, giving instruction and guidance and teaching and there will be some opportunities to meet with us in small groups to talk about your experience here in the meditation and to ask questions if you wish or need to so there'll be a little opportunity for speaking but apart from that there's really this invitation to connect with and to be with yourself and to use that as an invitation rather than as a something sort of we have to do because we're told to I I think silence, for many, can seem a little apprehensive to begin with. But there will be certainly many here, including myself, for whom it's something that becomes a very delicious medium. Something like a warm bath that one actually enjoys just slipping into. And interestingly, I was uh, supposed to be going to Switzerland for a a teacher meeting on, on Wednesday last week and uh flights to Geneva were cancelled we discovered once we got to got to bristol to the airport and we couldn't fly so we my wife and I we thought what should we do and we realized well we have these 5 days that suddenly there's nothing in them and it was in between courses here so we rang up and in fact there was Tony I think very kindly organised for us to be able to come and stay um for a couple of nights and so we just had an impromptu little retreat space open up and we came and it was it was wonderful and and just that sense of just coming into, oh, it's quiet here. <sighs> I was really looking forward to going to the meeting, but there was another part of you thought, my gosh, I'm going to be with you know, two or three dozen people, most of whom I'm really fond of, but we're going to talk a lot all day. Because um, that's what you do at meetings. Though at meditation teacher meetings, you do a bit of sitting in silence as well usually, but not that much. And there's a sense of just, ha <sighs> So there can be a sense of that. It's like just putting down. All of the kind of energy that goes into conversation. We don't have to be anyone particular here. You don't have to impress anyone. You don't have to worry about whether other people are going to think this about you or that about you. You can just really be here with yourself. And I think that can be a real blessing. So again, I invite you to really be wholehearted and in, in the silence. And what that means is if you've come here with some friends or family or someone you'd like to get to know... For now just to put that on hold. And there'll be some more time at the end of the retreat on the last um at the end of the morning, so at lunchtime in the afternoon, when it'll be possible to talk and connect to share a little more informally. But for the rest of the time, being here in silence and doing so not just to support oneself, but equally to support each other. It's really important. These days silence is so Much less available to us. We're so used to being accessible on the telephone, internet, Skype, mobile, you know, all the ways in which we're used to having people contacting us or being able to contact others. There's almost no place where that doesn't happen for us. And from my point of view, there's actually a loss that takes place, that there's no quiet places that just have to be quiet because it's not possible to be doing anything other than that. It's like pretty much anywhere we go, the world of words, of talking, and all of that follows us. So turn off your mobile phones. I mean it, really, turn them off. If you don't think you can leave them turned off for a whole weekend, hand them in to Kirsten or myself. We promise not to make any long international calls, and we'll give them back to you on Sunday (coughs) afternoon. Sometimes we think, oh it's perfectly silent texting you know texting it doesn 't make any noise at all. The point is engaging in that way, so let it go. really let it go don't text don't get the idea as someone who was on a retreat here a little while ago thought i'll just check my emails on my iPhone." You know our mind comes up with all sorts of ideas and it seems like it's harmless and maybe it's even useful, but you don't need to do that here. They'll be waiting for you on Sunday. And I noticed myself starting over the years to say more and more about this because it's less and less familiar to us to actually have restraint around that. There's a term I heard recently called inbox stress. From your email inbox being so full of stuff coming in that you can't deal with it all. It's like put it down. We can quite easily just by saying not here, just not here just for 40 hours or so. And as well as supporting yourself, you'll be supporting each other immensely and everyone else will really appreciate and benefit from that support. And this too then is an expression of kindness to ourselves and each other to support our spiritual practice in this way. Another expression of this is to undertake the the training guidelines that are part of the tradition of Buddhist practice and teaching that are known as the five precepts or ethical guidelines that are a framework that we ask everyone here at Guy House to undertake at the very least for the time that they're here although for many of us they become a framework for our very lives. And the underlying principle of the framework and the precepts is the recognition that none of us wish to suffer All of us wish to be free from pain and harm and therefore it makes sense not to harm others just as we don't want to be harmed, to not cause harm to others. So the precepts are an orientation of the heart, a turning towards non-harming as an intention and as a foundation for one's life. And so the first precept is to refrain from taking life or causing harm to living beings. Understanding that even the most insignificant, to our mind, insignificant creatures, to them their life is precious. Ants scurry when they're threatened. They don't stand around as if it doesn't matter to them. Insects, of course, all creatures we see, birds, squirrels. We don't imagine we would come here. And I don't imagine any of you have come here with the thought that You know, come along, go to Guy House, good place to harm some beings. You know, of course, that's not going to be the case, is it? And yet, it's more just noticing how we can sometimes be less concerned about some than others. And just, what's it like to really respect? To just give each being we encounter the respect that we might wish our own life and experience to be given by others. The second precept is to refrain from taking that which isn't freely given to us. Just understanding how much suffering we can experience when that which belongs to us is taken or misused without our permission. And so to be respectful of things here. And so you might notice that your neighbor's got what looks like a really nice cushion. And of course, you know, if it should disappear, they might be upset. So... Again, we're not expecting that's what's going to be going on in one's mind. And yet, I can confess that once I thought I'd try someone's cushion out in the middle of the night. And, you know, and it was about 2 a.m. in the middle of a long retreat. And it's got to be safe to try this cushion I've been looking at for quite a while, thinking, that's good. That looks good. In a different shape than my one. Um, and really interestingly, you know, in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., sitting on this cushion thinking, it's right. It's good. I like it. The steps, someone walks into the meditation hall, walks right up to where I'm sitting and sits behind me, where the cushion was before. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's a teaching? So just respecting other people's things. Here, seeing how we might relate to the property of an organization, institution, Gaia House. It's like, we think nobody gets hurt if the cup gets broken. Not that we don't have accidents, I break cups occasionally too. But it's more like, do we respect the things around us? Something really important in that, something very precious. Just as we wish our own things to be respected. The third guideline is to refrain from causing harm through sexuality. And in the context of a retreat, we ask that you refrain from intentional sexual activity, not because there's anything wrong or bad in that field of human exploration or activity by itself, but more as a way of just staying with ourselves and freeing ourselves and each other from the way in which the, that particular energy can sometimes cloud our minds, we can start getting interested in the, the sort of the gratification side of it. And the way we then start to look around in terms of, you know, who am I interested in? Who am I not interested in? Am I interesting? Am I not interesting to others? All of that. Like for a retreat, just putting it down. Putting it down. And just saying, okay, we're here with ourselves. Yeah. Of course you're thinking probably, well, there's not much chance of anything going on there, we're all in silence, you know. It's it's not a sort of really convenient sort of conditions for you know, asking people whether they come here often. And yet something also, is it to be just all human beings here together? And you know, we can sometimes look around us through what's on offer for me out there. But it's not actually just all human beings here together. Something quite beautiful about that. The fourth guideline is to refrain from causing harm through speech and words. And primarily here supporting the silence as a way of supporting each other. And when we do speak, speaking what's true and what's useful. So there's something about being honest and really aligning ourselves with what is true when we do speak. Whether it may be in a a small group interview or if we need to speak to one of the coordinators about something practical or various things, just really seeing what that means. And the... The fifth precept is to refrain from the use of drugs, alcohol and toxicants and use, not using substances which cloud the mind, which easily lead to heedlessness or carelessness and often to actions which we later regret. So that we're really taking care of our consciousness, of our inner experience and really respecting both our inner experience but also not in a way trying to escape from it, not trying to get away from it, but really Face our life, ourselves, our truth, as we find it. And again, for many of us, this can seem something quite easy, straightforward, of course, not an issue. And yet, for some, of course, dealing with drugs, alcohol, and can be a real challenge. real primary element of of struggle in life, and of challenge in life, and of learning and growth in life. And so by all undertaking and committing to that, we also support, if there may be any such people, and certainly on retreats it can be the case, for whom that's a real challenge. And being in an environment where everyone is committed to refraining from this form of behavior is so beneficial. So these precepts are really something that we undertake as a process of learning, of training. Of discovery, not some kind of moral commandment that means if we break it we're wrong and we're bad and we're going to be thrown out or anything, of course not, not like that at all, but much more, how would we wish to live in this world, and how would we wish others in this world to live in relationship to us and really, the precepts are simply that express an expression of you know to treat others as we would wish to be treated, and here on the retreat. What that does is it allows there to be an environment of safety, of trust and of kindness where we we can really trust that others are going to be supportive in that way. And imagine how the world would be if these precepts were something that we all lived by. Even if just one of these precepts of all human beings lived by them. What a difference by that precept. What a difference it would make. How transformative it would be for the world. And so if we seek to transform the world, we begin here, with our own life, with where we are. And transforming the world, transforming our hearts, they are the same process. And this commitment to non-harming is a essential and indispensable foundation for that. Without that framework, all the meditation and the good intentions that we might have won't really have anything to rest on. And so, again, with some, I think, uh, enthusiasm, I hope, is what comes across, I really encourage and invite you and ask you to undertake these precepts and to give yourself to them for this time of the retreat, at least, and perhaps beyond this time as well. So I'm aware that we've been speaking for a little while and uh, you've been listening for even longer with the uh, coordinators' talk initially. Did you get a break in between the coordinators' talk and us or have you been here right through? You got a break? Okay, good. That's usually what happens. I'm just checking. But uh, nonetheless, it may be useful just to take a moment to move the bodies and stretch if you'd like to. So I invite you. You don't have to, but if you'd like to just stand up, maybe you want to stretch or bend or move... We won't be here too much longer, so uh, please stay with us if you can, rather than nipping out to uh, use the loo at this point. You don't have to follow what I'm doing, but if you'd like to, you're very welcome to just take a moment to stretch. And as you sit down, just... Notice if, anywhere, if there's anywhere in your body that feels a little sore or tight, uncomfortable, and even in the sitting, if just for now you want to just move a little bit, or just you know, gently, softly, in a friendly sort of way, give it a a rub or a a massage, maybe a knee or a shoulder. Just just check and see. Or you might even just notice what it's like to bring your hand into contact, soft. Palm of the hand into contact with your body. Again, you don't have to do this, but if you feel you'd like to, there's really going to be two primary elements to the meditation practice we'll be developing. And the The first element, which we'll begin with this evening, is really just a sense of connecting with where you are, with just being in your experience, in your body, with a sense of of caring, of friendliness towards this. And that might sound a little strange or abstract if you've not done such a thing before, but just perhaps even noticing or taking a moment to appreciate your body for Giving us somewhere to sit. It'd be really hard to sit here if we didn't have a body. Sort of not the thing sort of thing we generally think about. We just take it for granted or you know we might notice the ways in which it isn't quite as uh sort of strong or healthy a body as it once was. Bodies tend to Sometimes age, or not sometimes, but inevitably age. But sometimes with ageing, sometimes we find struggles, limitations, difficulties. It can be issues of health and various vulnerabilities. And yet just, what's it like to feel your body right now? Just however it is. Maybe feeling warm or cool. or well, some of the bits might be warm and other of the bits might be cool. Noticing where it maybe feels at ease or comfortable. And equally where it might feel not at ease, maybe tense or tight or uncomfortable. So there's a sense of gently meeting and entering into this bodily experience of sitting here. Not trying to make your body fit into some idea of a perfect posture. It's kind of useful to be relatively upright. Have a sense of steadiness, being in contact with the ground beneath you. But it's fine to be using a chair or a bench or a cushion. Finding what works for you. And as you sit here, feeling your body... Just whatever it's like right now for you. Becoming aware also of the movement of breathing, the flow of ripple, the flow and ripple of sensations that take place in your body as the breath is drawn in through the nostrils, passes down through the throat into the chest, and opens through the abdomen's extension. And to the flow and ripple of sensations that takes place as the abdomen falls and the chest contracts and the air moves up through the throat and out through the nostrils. And that process of breathing, just taking a moment to appreciate that this body is breathing, is nourishing us, sustaining our life with with breath, with oxygen. So seeing if there can be just a friendly or even appreciative interest in this experience. Not trying to lock the attention onto it or fix on a particular place or aspect of it, but just being open. just sensing if there's a way in which we could recognize this as a way of caring of being friendly, just in contact with but not trying to make anything happen if you can't feel your breath particularly you might place you could just try placing the open palm of your hand softly against your abdomen or the region in the middle of your chest if you do so, you'll probably notice the sensations of breathing are a little clearer where the hand is in contact with your body there. And just making gentle contact. Breathing. And allowing yourself to relax into just being here right now with this experience of the body sitting here breathing. So as a way of caring for ourselves, allowing ourselves to land, inviting ourselves to arrive, just where you are, just as you are. And if you notice, your mind starts getting interested in other things, thoughts of where you have been or need to be, things that have been done or should have been done or shouldn't have been done, past and future all of that just gently unhooking from the thinking by bringing your attention back to the breath you don't have to push the thoughts away just you do not just by not pursuing them and returning to the breath that's moving in your body the very sense of your body itself, just sitting here in the silence as the body breathes.